This is the Two North Jackson podcast with news, insights, details, and accomplishments from Alabama's 67 county governments. This month, we'll talk about stepping up, turning the page, and reaching your goals. We begin this month with a visit with the Mental Health Commissioner, Kim Boswell. She became commissioner in 2020, but has almost 40 years experience in the field. And if you were with us at the annual convention, you know that she is very passionate about the issue of mental health in Alabama. Kim, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the invitation. I'm really excited to be here. I really enjoyed being at the annual conference and just absolutely love the conversation around mental health. Well, and the association picked the ball up back in August. Our leadership program is focused almost exclusively on this issue, and we're excited as we look toward the legislative session, and there's a bunch of work to do between now and then, but today we want to talk a little bit about the Stepping Up initiative. Speaker Ledbetter mentioned it at the convention. Many of our members probably know very little about it. Could you talk a little bit about the program and what it hopes to accomplish in Alabama? Sure. The Stepping Up program program really was the very beginning of a conversation around trying to figure out how to get individuals with mental illness out of jails. And so the Stepping Up initiative really began with putting a case manager in the jails to assess individuals and to determine whether or not they had a mental health or substance use issue. We've screened over 45,000 individuals in jails around the state. And then that case manager then helps that individual as they're leaving jail to try and make sure that they don't keep cycling through the jail because of their mental health, substance use, or other social issues like housing. And so really being able to identify those individuals who are currently in jail, help them as they're coming out in the hopes that they won't return to jail. The other component that I think is really, really important is what I call the community planning component, and that is pulling together a group of concerned individuals, including sheriffs and probate judges and others in the community to try and more comprehensively address the mental health issues that are happening in our local communities. And so a lot of communities took that on and developed a stepping up committee of sorts that then works and listens to what's going on in the community, really in an effort to try and divert people from ever making it to jail and try to get the help on the front end so that they don't wind up sitting in jail with a mental health issue. As we've developed the Alabama crisis system of care, developing the community needs assessment is really going to be a big part of what we do moving forward. And that's why I'm really excited about the partnership with you guys, because we really do need to be listening to the broader community and identifying those mental health needs. And there are, I believe, 17 counties now with active case managers. That's correct. There are 17 counties. You know, we struggled through COVID, as you can imagine. We all struggled through COVID. (laughs) Folks really didn't want us in the jails. They had enough going on without having folks come into the jails. And then, of course, we struggled a little bit with workforce coming out of COVID. But right now, we do have 17 counties with case managers that are going into the local jails. And the importance of that is, as you said, evaluating the individual and then trying to help their time in the jail not make their situation worse and then follow them upon leaving to try to transition. It's things like medication and housing, and it's complicated. 
It is complicated, and we talked a little bit about it at the annual convention. It's unique to mental health in that some people who do have a serious mental illness don't really believe they do, and so they're very resistant to taking their medication. And so oftentimes the folks that we see sort of cycling through the jails are those individuals who've gotten help before but don't really believe they have an issue and refuse to take the medication that they need for their mental illness. And so those are the individuals that need a lot more intensive work, need to be connected to services, and maybe even connected to assisted outpatient treatment through a probate commitment. And so it's really important that that mental health professional get engaged so that we can better evaluate what is it that's causing that person just to come back through the jail system or be in a mental health crisis and not get the help that they need. I'm doing the math, 45,000 persons. We've got 17 case managers. What's the possibility, what's the playing field for expansion of this program? If counties are listening and saying, you know, in my jail, we don't have these services, what happens? We do have some ability to expand the program now. We do have funding for probably an additional five to seven counties to come on board. And then obviously, if this is a program that folks feel like it's really important to their community, then we certainly would look at asking for additional funding to expand it to every county in Alabama. And the case manager that comes in, I anticipate a sheriff's question. Does that person work for the sheriff? Or does that person work for the Department of Mental Health? And how does that interaction occur inside the jail? That individual actually works for one of our 19 community mental health centers. So it is really a local initiative. That individual works with the sheriff to determine really under what circumstances is he or she comfortable having a case manager there in the jails. And it really looks different in every single community as you would imagine. But that is a conversation that starts with the sheriff and with his staff and really getting down to what is the most beneficial way for us to really help you assess those individuals who are in your jail. You know, the truth is many times the sheriff knows because they know the individuals in their local community. They know the folks who've struggled over the years. And so it's really a partnership with the sheriff and with his staff to look at how do we implement this here and what works for us. It's a customized program for that jail. Right. And if you're looking at another county and you may say, I don't like the way they do their program, that doesn't mean you shouldn't look at stepping up. The things that are happening in that other county can be changed for you. Exactly. I would encourage the sheriffs and anyone who's interested in this program to have that conversation with their local community mental health center. You know, we had one situation in the Decatur area where they really wanted the case manager to ride along with them on calls. And that was a very unique situation. The case manager had law enforcement experience. And so that's just an example of it greatly depends on your case manager and their skill set and what the local community need is. Well, it's as we always say, if you've seen one county in Alabama, you've seen one county. And certainly this program, like almost everything else we do, has to be customized for the needs of the community. And that means we have to have some conversation and communicate rather than simply saying, I don't like what they're doing 
they're doing in stepping up in a different county? And how do we start that conversation? I'll be happy to talk to anyone about the Stepping Up Initiative. They can reach me at Kimberly.Boswell at mh.alabama.gov or they can call me at 334-242-3640, and I'll be happy to talk to anyone who would like to talk about the Stepping Up Initiative. Commissioner, we appreciate your commitment and energy in working with us, and we look forward to the next several months as we try to accomplish a number of things together to make the challenges that those in our community face. And we also thank you for joining us today. Thank you, and I look forward to the partnership. Now we'll talk about turning the page with our friend Rhonda Walker from the Montgomery County Commission. Thanks for being here with us. So glad to join y'all. We first met in 2014 when you were appointed by Governor Bentley to fill an unexpired term. So we've had 10 years together, but you've made an announcement about your future. I have. I let the world know that I will not seek re-election. My current term ends next November, so November 2024. I've got one more year on the commission, and at that time, I'll have 10 years of service to Montgomery County, and I will not seek re-election. We got to spend a good deal of time together and got to know each other better as part of the Plan 2018 group, but your background in history has been rooted in politics almost from the minute you finished undergraduate school. It has been. As soon as I graduated from Troy University, I was offered a job with United States Senator Richard Shelby in his D.C. office. At 22 years old, I moved to D.C. and got the opportunity to work for three years on Capitol Hill. That was really transformative to see the process and the people. I learned a lot. Not to make this reading your resume, but then you went to somewhere real unusual to continue your education. I did. I wanted to further my education, and I wound up going to the University of Hawaii. I lived in Honolulu for three years and received a master's degree in history. Oh, it was, you know. (laughs) I told people all the time, because everybody has the same response, you know, oh, yeah, University of Hawaii. Graduate school is graduate school. Wherever you are, it's hard. But I'm going to tell you spring break is (laughs) the best spring break in the country. Yeah, if you're going to school at the University of Hawaii, where do you go on spring break? Exactly, to Waikiki Beach. (laughs) But the big thing about that is, and what I encourage people to do, I love Alabama. I was born and raised in Alabama, and I'm glad to be back here. And I have four children, and I've encouraged them, get out. See something different, do something different. And really, when you're single in your 20s, as I was, I could live on the East Coast. I could live in Hawaii, because it radically shifts your perspective on life, people, politics, our whole reason we're here, just to get out of wherever you're from. If you're from Wisconsin, if you're from California, if you're from Arizona, I would say the same thing. And then in 2011, you went to work with Congresswoman Roby here in Montgomery, running the Constituent Services Office. So you've been in politics a great deal of the time in your adult life. What do you like about it? Well, just to clarify, I'm not crazy about politics. Politics can be frustrating. It can be divisive. It can be exasperating. I love public service. I love my community, whether I'm serving my community on the local level as a county commissioner or on the federal level. But the things that I love the most, especially when I worked for the members of Congress that I did, not the 30,000 foot big pieces of legislation that you work on, but it's the one individual constituent who needs help with something, who needs you to deliver something that only you can deliver. That's what makes it satisfying. So I love that public service aspect of it. Well, and you get that, I think, in county government too. We have county commissioners who sometimes run for the legislature and they'll say, you know, Sonny, what do you think about it? And I always say, you're not going to like it. 
because there's nothing like what a county commissioner can do, getting stopped in the aisle at the grocery store. And I suspect you won't miss that part of it. No, I do. That's the public service part that I genuinely enjoy. But you're right. Working at the local level is the most satisfying, even over the state or the federal, of course, because we can have a problem on Monday morning. And most of the time, we can get that problem solved by Monday afternoon. There are five of us on the Montgomery County Commission. We each have our own district that we are over and we work well together and we get things accomplished. And it's much harder to do that with larger legislative bodies. And it's what makes the county commission experience this family. Mm -hmm. And I see on the internet, you've announced you're not running. And I go, gosh, let's get her to talk with us because that time we spent together in plan 2018 was so rewarding for me. And I think for you too. Absolutely. It's a great program. Everything ACCA does education wise for commissioners is invaluable. Plan is included because I learned so much more about how to be a great commissioner. But even more than that for me, it's the relationships success in life comes through relationships and communication. You've got to be able to communicate effectively with people and communication goes two ways, but you've got to build relationships, genuine relationships. I mean, you've got to build relationships even with people you don't agree with politically, you don't maybe necessarily get along with. You've got to have relationships. It's diplomacy. And I made a bunch of relationships during the plan program. Yeah. And you're right. We need to take that to D.C. Mm-hmm. and get them to understand, know. you know, we, right. we can like each other even if we disagree. And I can dislike somebody, but still be kind to them and speak to them. I can dislike their policies or their ideas, but I don't have to take my toys and go to the corner and say, I'm not going to play with you. But that's what we see too oftentimes. We do. And so you've got a whole year, so we're going to get to spend some more time with you. But then when you step away from the county commission, what's next? I did surprise people when I announced that I will not seek re-election. And the big question that people keep asking me is why? Why are you leaving? And I've been very encouraged by the amount of people that don't want me to leave. They're satisfied. They're happy with the job I'm doing. Again, at the end of this term, it will be 10 years that I will have served. I know not everybody feels the way I do, but I don't believe one political office, I don't believe you should get in and anchor yourself and stay for life. I've been in for 10 years. I've accomplished some things that I wanted to. Maybe it took me a little bit longer to learn other things, but it's time for me to step aside and give somebody else an opportunity. Somebody else that can come in with fresh eyes and maybe see problems from a different perspective, maybe have some different passion and vision than I do and give them an opportunity for their turn at public service. What am I going to do next, you ask? Yep, I did. (laughs) I do not have a plan. There is not an office that I am actively seeking. I'm not saying I will never run for elective office again, but I'm saying right now on this date and at this time, I have no plans to do that. I'm only 51, so this isn't retiring. I still have to work. So I've got a year to put together a plan for what job I'm going to do next. To me, it says so much about your sense of community and responsibility to this commission that you made the announcement early enough for others to figure out whether or not they wanted to seek this job. Because if you'd qualified, you ran unopposed the last two times, there probably would be no one thinking about it. So again, it's one of the reasons I wanted to visit with you is the way that you handle this. And the hardest part of this job for me is the relationships Mm -hmm. that are built and that you're together and then people move and we'll strive to stay in touch. And I know your friends and County government will too. And you've done an excellent job here in Montgomery County. And I appreciate since I live here for what you've done to make this a better place. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And thanks for visiting with us today. Glad to be here.
And finally, we'll close this month with a visit with our friend Pike County Commissioner Russell Johnson and talk about reaching your goals. Yes, sir. How are you doing today, Sonny? I'm doing very well, Russell, and we appreciate you taking a few minutes to visit with us on the Two North Jackson podcast. I remember when you took office in 2016, now in your second term, you found yourself with a big problem almost before you took office, right? Yes, sir. I did. Very first meeting I went to after winning the primary this was top of the agenda that night, and I wondered what I'd got myself into right off the bat. So, Well, and of course, the thing we're talking about is that Pike County had the oldest operational jail in the state and no real plans to replace it, right? Yes, sir. When I took office, we had a 40-man facility that was originally constructed in the 60s on the plans of an army brig. It didn't originally have a female wing. It was made as a one-gender facility. There was no way to separate maximum minimum security, juvenile. It was overcrowded, worn out, and falling apart, in all honesty. And it was a mess. And it'd been that way long enough that the county was starting to feel outside pressure to act to replace the building, you know, the worry was that the feds were about to get involved and build one for us. So we had to hack ourselves. Well, and that's what I was going to say is that normally elected officials say there are no votes in the jail, that spending money on the jail is not a particularly popular thing to do and takes a great deal of political courage. And I remember the first time I met you, we were at a district meeting in January of 2017 in Laverne. And when the meeting was over, you and I stood outside and talked about this jail. And I remember you saying, we're going to replace this jail before I leave office. And seven and a half years later, here we are. Yes, sir. It's not a really popular thing to deal with, but it depends on how you look at it. My father was in law enforcement for 30 years in Pike County. He worked for the city of Troy, but naturally, just like every other county in the state, anyone that was a felon, they had to take to the Pike County Jail. And my entire life, I had heard my father make comment along the lines of, I can't believe we haven't had to build a jail. My gosh, the jail's overcrowded. I don't know how they can get a jailer to work in the jail. It's outdated and dangerous. And just so happens, probably six months before I took office, the jail had become so structurally deficient that the county had had to spend about $80,000 literally bolting I-beams at 45-degree angles all around the building to be able to seal the leaks in the roof. A blind man could have seen that something had to be done. And what I realized over a few years in talking with the judge one day was that there's a cost to public safety and nobody wants to build a jail, but nobody wants criminals on the street. And we just had to educate people. Well, I like what you said. There's a cost to public safety. And I think that there's no question to achieve what's happened in Pike County. And I want you in a minute to tell us what the end product looked like. But before we get there, talk a little bit about the process in informing the public and gaining the support that was necessary to levy a new tax to pay for this new facility. To have support, you've got to tell people what you're asking for. And it needs to be, in my opinion, looking back, 
as detailed as possible what you want, why, and how you're going to get it done. And we didn't know any of that. We knew we had a 40-man facility that was overcrowded, and we had one small room that they put the females in. It had no medical facility. It didn't have a lot of things. And I guess when you get into something unknown, you try to find people with expertise and people you trust. And one of the first things that those type people said that stuck with me was the jailers deserve a safe place to work. Their families deserve for them to come home at night when their shift ends, just like everybody else. And that was something that we kind of had to educate some of the naysayers in the community to was, hey, we don't want to build the Taj Mahal for the criminals, but we've got to build a nice, safe place for the county employees that have to work in this facility too. And I did not do this alone. It was all six of us, but Commissioner Copeland and I just started taking the opportunity. We went to every Lions Club meeting, Civitan meeting, men's prayer breakfast that somebody would invite us to. And we just started telling people, hey, this is the pickle we're in. This is what we're up against and this is what we're thinking about trying to do what are y'all's thoughts then over time i think most people thankfully in our community in pike county just realized that it had to be done i'm not trying to play it off and say it was easy convincing people that the building needed building but we were actually more so put in a situation with at the time our senator and representative we had to get every elected official in the county to sign off on the need and that was a bit of a hurdle in some ways but the need was so great it was unarguable it probably took seven months to get all those people to agree and sit in a room with our senator and representative and sign off on doing it but in the end it got done well that's pretty amazing to me that all the elected officials in the community embraced the same vision and were willing to support an increase in revenue to fund this complex and now it's up and operational tell us a little bit about what's there in pike county now we know that old jail is no longer being used what we are in the process of now at our new facility is a jail and judicial complex. We have our jail, our district and circuit court rooms, judges' offices, the sheriff's department, the pardon and parole, circuit clerk, and the DA. The DA was in another little building next to the old facility. So when we started designing and planning this, we met with all of those individuals. And what we have now in Pike County, we have a split. If it is criminal or civil, you go to this new facility to court. If it's probate court, you go to the original courthouse. When you go to buy a tag, pay your property taxes, go see the VA, etc., they're not leading a convict through the tagline to go before the jury in a murder trial. So we are in the process now of taking everything that's not the sheriff's department, judges, courts, etc. And we're moving it to the old courthouse. The county commission's going back to the old courthouse. We're going to sell the county extension property, move them into that building. And except for the road department in Pike County, anything you want to do with the county, you'll go to one of these two facilities. It's about a mile and a half apart on either side of downtown. And if it's criminal, civil, jail, sheriff's department, you'll go to the annex. If it's anything else county related, you'll go to the original courthouse and We've used a bad situation, in my opinion, to really streamline and consolidate and make it easier for the constituents to do business with the county. We've talked a great deal about the mechanics part of it. Let's talk for a minute about the personal side of it. You know, accomplishing something in government is difficult. It takes time. Seven and a half years is a long time. But I assume on August 14th, when you cut the ribbon, Russell Johnson was proud of what was accomplished. Yes, but I'm going to be honest. I didn't even go. And I'll say something personal for a moment. I don't say this often. 
the first Thanksgiving I was alive, my father's partner at the police department realized that my dad was going to have to work Thanksgiving Day. And he told my daddy that didn't make any sense. He wasn't married and didn't have a child and that he wasn't going to let daddy miss the first Thanksgiving with his first child and for him to take off. And Mr. Steve had worked my dad's shift. And right before lunch that day, my father's partner was killed going to a domestic disturbance. And the older I've got, the more that stirs me that there, but for the grace of God, I would have never known my father. And I grew up around all of my father's friends were in law enforcement. He worked on the South Alabama Drug Task Force with people from all other kind of law enforcement backgrounds. And I didn't follow that path. And it was weird in a way for those men, for our sheriff that's been sheriff almost as long as I've been alive, for the people that work there, for the first responders that take those calls like that every day and risk walking out the door being the last time they ever see their family. When I say we, I mean the commission. I know we did, but I, as an individual, I did this for them. It needed doing. It didn't need doing for the convicts. It wouldn't have bothered me if there wasn't a TV in the jail. But I wanted a place that the men and women in my community that put their life on the line every day had a safe place to work, that there was room to lock up everybody that needed locking up. I mean, when I started talking, especially to some of the younger deputies and policemen, the jail was so small and overcrowded, they were personally getting fed up that, you know, I just risked my life on a high-risk search warrant, and two hours later, later, I saw the guy walking out of McDonald's because there's nowhere to put him. Well, that isn't the case now in Pike County. What an amazing story and sharing that with us and your county family. You know, we're grateful for your leadership and we're grateful for your willingness to take a bold step. We congratulate you and the commission for this great accomplishment. I want to say this. Oddly, we had a commission meeting the day that the jail opened. We had a meeting that night. Over seven years of haggling over this, we voted on these issues unanimously across party lines. Now, yes, we haggled and yes, we pulled on each other's hair and got on each other's nerves. But in today's society, as divided as things are, that is what I was the proudest of personally. More so than the task being accomplished that our commission, even though divided politically, got this done together in a unified way. Absolutely. And that's a great bow to put on the story is the county commission working together, accomplishing a goal. And we appreciate very much you visiting with us a few minutes to talk about a great accomplishment in Pike County. And we thank all of you for joining us for this month's Two North Jackson podcast. And we look forward to seeing all of the county family at the end of November as we gather in Auburn for our legislative conference. Until then, be safe.